What is up, Line Click Nation? This is Ray DeLucci with the Line Click Thoughts Podcast. Hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Welcome back to another episode of the show. Before we get into the show today, just a friendly reminder that every Monday I put out a newsletter called Prep List Items. This newsletter is information and other uh, just ideas, uh, gear, pieces of news, anything that I find interesting, I send to you every Monday in an email newsletter format. So go to lineclickthoughts.com, enter your email, and hit subscribe at the top of the page to be signed up for the Prep List Items newsletter. Also, if you're listening on Apple, please leave a review. And Spotify, if you're listening as well, please leave a review. It helps me get better and lets me know what you want from the podcast. So today's podcast is a little bit different. I was on the Best Serve podcast by Best Serve Creative a few weeks ago, and Jensen Cummings, the host of that podcast, had me on to discuss some uh, opportunities in the industry for cooks, for people in the food industry. And he interviews me, and it's about an 18-minute interview, and I wanted to share that content on the podcast today because I thought it was a great conversation with him. I really love Jensen's insights, and I also thought I... um, Really was able to chat with him and, our, and articulate a lot of interesting points regarding uh, cooks within the industry itself. And a big thing we talk about is longevity and the idea of celebrity chef and the idea of villainizing um, a Food Network chef, but we, then we hold into regard celebrities in the Michelin space. And yet the probably probably outcome to getting to either is very slim, and why that should why why we hold one in high regard and not the other. Uh, but in terms of career paths, while both are easily very hard to get into is something we talk about. Longevity of cooking is something we talk about. The idea that a lot of people in the industry don't think their skills can be transferred into other areas of the food industry is something we talk about. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I love what Jensen does over at his podcast, over at Best Serve Creative, and over at everything else he does. I'm putting links to everything in the show notes of this episode or the description of this episode. So go down and check it out. And please, please go check out Best Serve Creative. Check out Jensen's work and obviously check out the Best Serve podcast. Jensen, thanks for letting me share this. Thank you all for listening. And here we go. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 402, how restaurant workers can be high contributors to increase their self-worth and financial worth. You've been hearing me talk about high contributors a little bit more because of how much we glorify hard work, and I'm trying to understand how we can put in put in effort, put in time, put in care, but not grind ourselves to the bone that so many of us burn out like myself. And uh, I'm interested in this, especially because we come into the industry at such a young age so often that we don't understand how to pace ourselves through a career. Because how many 65-year-old line cooks do we know that are getting ready to retire with a a pension and putting 2.1 kids through college, right? That American dream, those things don't often exist for us. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to bring in Ray DeLucci, of line cook thoughts somebody i've been following for quite a while twitter game strong podcast great so let's bring ray in no further ado ray good to see you you too man thanks for the kind words 
Hey, absolutely. Uh, I love that you're raw, you're real, you're pulling from your own experiences, you're challenging the powers that be, and uh, and even being myself an elder of this industry now, 22 plus years, we didn't understand the responsibility that we had. We built this industry and now we're blaming 22-year-old kids these days with big air quotes that somehow they're the problem. Wrong. We are the problem. They're the opportunity we have for improving our industry. And so I, I like that you're coming from that perspective. So give us a little background. I mentioned uh, Line Cook Thoughts. You've been doing that for a few years. Uh, how yeah. long have you been in the industry? Just give us a little groundwork. Yeah, so I've been in the industry for 10 years. Uh, I got in when I was 15. I'm 25 now. I've been doing Line Cook Thoughts for a little over four years. So podcast, writing, uh, Instagram, all the fun things that come with food media. And yeah, I've had experience uh, working in fine dining. I've managed restaurants in a restaurant group. Post-COVID, I've done research and development, food manufacturing, some time with online groceries. So a little bit here and there, do some food writing on the side. And so, yeah, it's just been a really fun last 10 years. A lot of different routes uh, with the pandemic and, you know, the uh, how tough things were are generally in the food industry, not just restaurants. You'd be surprised how tough all food businesses have it um, at all times. But uh, yeah, it's been a really fun time. And obviously, Line Cook Thoughts has been a highlight for me. So that's kind of been the past 10 years since I've got in. Yeah, it is. It is a struggle to uh, to commit yourself to the food, beverage, hospitality industry. It, it gives so much, takes so much. It's such a love hate relationship, for sure. So, when you're thinking about this idea, and and real quick, because I just remembered, I always think back to first jobs. Yours was at Wendy's, and mm-hmm. I love that fast food has been an entry point for so many people. You know, I think a lot of us chefs scoff at fast food, like we're above that. We're at this fine dining level. It's, it creates an entry point and it created an entry point for you. So as always, everyone, besserpodcast.com. Check out six questions with Ray DeLucci. Uh, you got a couple nuggets in there, some good advice as well. And uh, as always, what's in the pantry, which is great. I'm not even going to tell people they got to go check it out. That's for you. Line cook thoughts, right? When you're thinking about how you're trying to communicate when you are a line cook yourself and kind of for people that are at that level that are looking to ascend and excel in this industry how can we start to get rid of maybe that work until you pass out on the line type mentality while still kind of having a trajectory that allows us to excel through pay pay increases promotions our own personal development give us a high level thinking there yeah i think as you know when i started line cook thoughts obviously it's in the name i was a line cook and since then i've gone on to manage restaurants and like I said, get into like food manufacturing and food development. And I've always, you know, I, sh- I think there's a part of me that struggled leaving the kitchens for a long time. Uh, sure. I think even after leaving restaurants, I felt very much like uh, that imposter syndrome effect. And I think the easy route, but the dishonest route would have been to just continue acting as if I was a line cook and really been focused on, I think the stuff that really gets a lot of people's attention, like fine dining and cool plates and everything else. But I really wanted to take the page into a in the brand into a different space as I was kind of evolving. And that involves this idea that I've talked about a couple of times where the restaurant industry is often seen as this separate thing. It's often like, you know, Oh, it's like the restaurant industry is like the outcast. It's where the, like everyone goes that don't really belong in society. And I think that's such a detrimental viewpoint. I think there's something special to be said for people who work in restaurants and people who work in food. Obviously the job isn't like everywhere else. There's a lot of different things about it, but I think when we, 
treat the restaurant industry and the food industry as if we're outlaws and that it is as if we're special and above like normal societal standards, then that we also make excuses for ourselves to not treat people well, to not have good schedules, not have good work-life balance, not have good pay, to not have good benefits. And so I think there's a detriment almost in this idea of the outlaw cook or the outlaw chef and like viewing our industry as that, because in the long run, I really do think it affects how we, how we look at our industry and how we look at labor in the industry. Ah, Ray, I just, I just had to talk about this recently. And one of the books that got me on this path was kitchen confidential. Right. Mm -hmm. And you talk about that, the outcasts, the rebels, the misfits and the pirates that Bourdain talks about. And I had to say like that, that book is true. It still inspires me and it's fucking toxic as hell too. Mm -hmm. It glorified so many of the worst parts of us as individuals, as teams, as a business model. So yeah, I'm with you hundred percent and I'm pushing back against the hard work model. Like that's wild. The hardest worker. I'm like Mamba mentality. I'm the first one in the last one out. I went almost seven years without taking a sick day. I thought that's what you were supposed to do because we're so young when we get in the industry quite often, we don't have the the leadership skills. We don't have the communication skills. We don't have that self-worth quite often. And so only what we put on the plate is a representation of, are we good enough to contribute? So I appreciate you pointing that out. You also had some like really practical things when we've interacted and you specifically mentioned somebody that was kind of in your orbit that had a very different trajectory and a very different expectation. So even people that kind of come into the industry in a similar place at a similar time, that mindset is different. And Mm -hmm. some of us, you know, excel and move up quickly and others get kind of stagnant. So touch on that a little bit. Yeah. I was going to actually talk about that example, but when we were speaking before the podcast, I actually remembered someone else that stuck with me for a while. And this is when I was, so this is when I was staging in Chicago and the, end of 2018 and i was looking to work in michelin restaurants and i quickly realized that i would never be able to afford to live in a chicago or new york and work in michelin due to student loans car loans living on my own rent all those different things but i remember i needed this i met needed i met this cook i promise i can talk i met this cook and uh, he was there and he's i was like oh what are you how are you doing like you know and he seemed a little bit up, like older in age it turns out he was like 42 and i was like oh so like you know, what are your goals? What are your aspirations? And he was just like, yeah, I, I just, I'm just a line cook. And I was like, okay. And he was like, and I was like, what, what are your plans for the future? Like, what about like, as you hit 50? And he's like, honestly, like, I don't know that I'd ever be good at anything more than line cooking. And for, and he had gotten to the industry and he was like 18. And so what success was to him was to go stage at the best restaurants around the countries. And I thought for a while that was pretty cool. I was like, he's just dedicating himself to the craft. But then I thought about it a little bit further. And I realized in like a decade, he will not be able to keep up at the pace that he was going there. It was a very high intense restaurant in Chicago. I could tell he was kind of already like slowing down. And he had, for what I know and how he explained to me, there was nothing saved. There's no path for when he was done cooking. And it was just kind of like this, you know, resistance to ever thinking he could be a leader. And I said, well, you have all this experience. Why don't you try for, to go for sous chef? And he was just kind of like, eh, you know, I just, no one's ever really like given me that opportunity. And I don't know that I've ever, and he's like, and he kind of looked at chefs as like this thing to worship and, or these entities to worship. And as if they were come down from like their heavenly clouds and like tell him when come he down was going to be a sous chef. down on high and anoint yeah. them. That's yes. a big problem. I, I, I yes. think about the, you know, Noma's announcement and all mm-hmm. of a sudden Noma says, wait, 
we have a really shitty business model. Why? Because we're going to have to incur $50,000 more a month to pay interns who spend 16 hours a day making fruit leather beetles that maybe it isn't actually the, the escalator to success that we deemed it to be. And so I, I believe it, right? We're, we're young, impressionable, and we stay in that, that adolescent mindset. So this, this cook at, at 40, 42 doesn't surprise me at all because we think that if we just get close to those anointed chefs by osmosis, somehow our careers will accelerate. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Is that what you find? Oh, it's not true. And I think it, I think the the chefs that really make it are rare. You know, I think that there's a I think there's an issue with cooks going into the industry that if you were to actually look at it and, you know, this is all conversations that many aren't having because, again, we see ourselves as outlaws in the restaurant industry. But when you look at a cook's trajectory, like it's line cook to maybe head of a station to maybe a sous chef, an exec chef in a restaurant and for some people, that's a goal. And like, that's a good goal to have, you know, and that's a good goal. If you're passionate about it, you should go for it. But then what's past that? And like, you can be a chef like for the rest of your career, but there's no, like, there's no really movement past that. And there mm-hmm. can only be one chef in a restaurant and there can only be a few spots where you have these mega star chefs. And of course it's great when they become successful. And I don't ever like look down on anyone's success or I don't ever like if someone's successful in food, I don't ever like judge them that they've become successful. But I, what I'm trying to say is I think that their career path, everyone is subscribed to, but so rarely that it's, that is actually the outcome. Yeah. And so it's like, what is a realistic career path for someone in the food industry? And does that mean staying in restaurants their entire time? And does that mean not trying other things like elsewhere? So that's kind of, that's kind of what I've seen. Yeah. This food network effect over the last 22, 25 <laughs> years has really shown us, a singular path that we're like okay i want to be the the chef owner of a restaurant we don't even know what that means let alone all the other opportunities and you mentioned the imposter syndrome i I struggle with that too like if i'm not the hot shit chef rising star chef who am i Mm -hmm. and again we we just don't have the capacity for that understanding that leadership that communication and that self-worth and so i'm very interested in how we build new business models that do allow for a 65-year-old line cook to be able to do that for an entirety of a career if that's the path that they choose. But that's not built for that, right? If no. you look at the numbers, our industry, 30% of our industry, a third of our industry is under 21. Another third is under 30. That means mm-hmm. from 30 to retirement, there's only a third of the entirety of our industry that's at that age set. You age out very quickly in this industry. That is not a sustainable business model. So how do we... How do we create a, a trajectory within the business model that serves the individuals and the business, but allows for some some longevity, like 10 yeah. years in, a, in the industry? I mean, it's like a running back in the NFL. You basically ready, have to be ready to retire. Well, we haven't made any money like an NFL <laughs> running back to be able to retire. So what are your thoughts there? It's a good point. I think I want to go back to something you just said about the food network effect. Mm-hmm. And I would equate Michelin as the same as that. Yeah, and I know some great. people listening are going to be like, oh, my gosh, like, what are you saying? Michelin people are giving the their Michelin stars back. They're like, this is too, this is bullshit pressure for the sake of what? It's pressure, but it's also like you look at Michelin chefs. OK, maybe they cook food in a way that and, you know, maybe it's, some would say it's more pure food. I would say it's using a lot of cheap labor for a lot of them, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Noma for the last however many years. Yep. But what is Rene Redzepi doing that's also different than a Bobby Flay? 
And I know that that sounds crazy. And I know, and obviously the food and the integrity is different. And of course, I would rather eat at Noma than anything that Bobby Flay's doing. I'm with you though. But Renee's not. In, I mean, he's working on menu items, but he also has to be a spokesperson, and he's also a celebrity, and he's also on shows, and he also has a brand, and he also has all these different things. Like, his trajectory is becoming a celebrity chef. Like, that's where mm -hmm. he's finding financial success. And so I say, I say that to say that like a lot of people always knock like the Food Network or say that use the Food Network while also praising celebrity chefs in Michelin, and it's like it's all the same to me. Or such it's a contradiction. Food. Yeah, it's yeah. all it's like they're so far apart, but to get they're all doing the same thing of marketing and media and of course like integrity and different things like that come into play. But if you really break it down, not everyone's gonna be a celebrity chef. So going back to your question, I think when you look at food industry people, it can't just be always only restaurants. I think there's so much out there right. in food, and I think that's where things need to like if you want to do re like restaurants. And own your own restaurant, that's great. But I think a lot of, and I've talked to a lot of people, I know people in my community that are tired of working in restaurants but don't see themselves as valuable workers anywhere else. And that's just not true. And it's part of the industry telling them that they're not valuable anywhere else. And it's part of just their own perceptions and their own yes. lack of trying new things. So, I mean, I think it's like those two things together. So, and then this overarching, like we, with a celebrity, celebrity chef trap morphs into different things. 90s, it was Food Network. Now it's Michelin and San Pellegrino. What's oh, next? Yeah. I don't know. But it's like that is not that is as unattainable as Food Network, in yeah. my opinion. And, and you mentioned something earlier on that, you know, the cook couldn't do anything else, couldn't be good at anything else. I think the pandemic also showed that a lot of restaurant skills are highly transferable into and sought after into lots of other industries. Lots of other industries are trying to figure out how to be the hospitality industry of theirs because the relationships that we create are unique and dynamic in a way that other businesses aren't able to to foster and so they're very transferable but to your point restaurants are monolithic let alone the food industry being monolithic and then our skill set not being transferable allow this very narrow tightrope for us to walk and very few of us can actually accomplish that so i appreciate you uh I appreciate you highlighting this. And again, this is this is some of what's in this article, everybody. Go to besserpodcast.com, six questions with Ray DeLucci. You get into some of this stuff. Again, I appreciate this. Like we have to challenge our preconceived notions. We have to challenge this mystique that we've created around this industry because that facade is it's crumbling right now. We need to build something mm -hmm. different. So Ray, I appreciate you being at the forefront of that. Keep working on that. Don't don't let any of us off the hook for having built this we got to do better we got to leave it better than we found it my friend all right i don't i totally agree and i feel the same way for me like i always love feedback like every podcast but give me feedback anything i say here like give me feedback i just think i see things now where it's like i i hate just hate like pedestals and i hate that some pedestals are deemed bad by chefs and some pedestals are seen deemed good well a lot of pedestals that we look up to actively contribute to people not having great work-life balance or actively mm. don't pay them and like so for yep. me like going back to that example i just shared i know a lot of people might feel off about that but if you really think about it like why are we promoting a style of cooking that makes people not paid well or that doesn't offer them health insurance or that yeah. isn't sustainable for like that doesn't make sense to me so yeah i, I don't know. could not agree more that that hierarchy triangle needs to get flipped upside down. The pedestal needs to be the dishwashers, the line cooks, mm -hmm. the bussers, the servers, the hosts. I 100% I 
agree with that. And I think it's important. And we're going to be talking later this week as this is part of a restaurant week series, right? This is episode uh, three of seven this, this week that we're going through. We're going to talk about awards. We're literally going to talk about awards because <laughs> I want to see a change. Like yeah. I want to see average pay and average employee tenure as one of the criteria for an awards, a James Beard award, a Michelin star, or an icon on Yelp so that we can start on more information than just what goes on the plate. So appreciate you pushing that. And I, I know how important that is. So, and thanks for being on. This was a great conversation out of here. Thank you so much, Ray. All right, everyone. That is it for this episode. Once again, this was best serve podcast 402 how restaurant workers can be high contributors to increase their self-worth and financial worth. It's complicated. It is absolutely necessary and long overdue. So thanks to uh, Ray for breaking it down. And, and as always, I appreciate he's challenging us. We need it. We can't keep buying into the same old narrative. All right. Appreciate it. So there you have the interview that was done by Jensen Cummings on me for his podcast. Go check it out. I put the description, I put the uh, link to his podcast and his site in the description below. Uh, thank you, Jensen, so much for interviewing me and having me on your show and letting me share this audio and video. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you on the next Line Cook Thoughts podcast. Mm-hmm.